Ready? Ready. This is Tony. And this is Matt. And this is What Did We Miss? The podcast where we explore our pop culture blind spots one episode at a time. You said that with a lot of gusto. Yeah. I, I can't, like it. You know, I think... You came in charging. It's the first time we've ever done it in one take. I think the gusto is what? needed. I think there's been other one take wonders. Mm. No? We are perfectionists. Are we? <laughs> well, you know, we, we certainly have spent, mm, you know, far too much time and too we many- spent minutes. And taking too, do, doing too many takes to get that intro right on a, a few occasions. Yeah. It only took me like 18 episodes to memorize it. Yeah, and then I rewrote it on you. You son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. See what I have to deal with? Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're here. Yes, we're here. Uh, it's a new year. It is a new year. It is a new year for you listeners. It's not for us. No, it's not even Christmas yet. No. Speaking it's of right Christmas, corner, though, though, Christmas came early. It did. Yeah. Matt's wife, Meg, uh, made us T-shirts with the podcast logo on it. Oh, they look good. They look great. Yeah. So if you want a T-shirt, send us a message. They're on... It's a red T-shirt. It's a nice fabric I don't I don't know the kind it is. It's like that kind of like it's not faded, it's like a that different kind of texture. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing this isn't a clothing you know, podcast. You know w- yeah. We, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tune in to what did we dress? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh yes. Um Yeah, no, they're great. I'm 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 it's very exciting. I thought it was very thoughtful. She reached out to me to get the logo. Mm-hmm. And she spoiled it for me because she can't contain it. Yeah. Her secrets, mm-hmm. yeah, which is kind of a good thing overall. I sure. guess she can't keep secrets, but when it comes to surprises, she's just like, nope, she's gonna gotta spoil everything. She's on her on the phone with her sister today, trying to come up with a a Christmas present for their their dad, and she's just like, oh, and I got mom this photo book, and I also got one for you for Christmas, and I'm just like, what are you what are you doing? But that's how she operates. So, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you are you excited for Christmas? Are you over it already? I'll be over it by the time the episode comes out. Terrific. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, when I was a kid, I did ruin a few Christmases for my sister by um, hoisting her up on my shoulders to spy in our parents' closet for presents. Uh-huh. Of course, she had to dig through the ones they got for her to get to what they got for me. Why are they always put Casual- her Casualties of war. Okay. Collateral damage. I guess so. I mean, I don't know if that was the plan. It just happened that way. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. Uh, so we're floundering. We New are. Year. Fl- yeah, yeah. That's okay. Um, d- do you make any New Year's resolutions? Are you not a new resolution person? No. I. Um, the last couple of years I have. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Like what? Um, you know, I think a couple of years ago I... I made uh, resolutions to be a little more active uh, physically. Okay. Um, so I was doing some indoor rock climbing, and I did a lot of cycling. Okay. Um, didn't stick with both. I did, you know, I did both for a good while, and then this past year, uh, twenty nineteen, um, skipped the rock climbing thing, stuck to the bike riding. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what other. Yeah, I think in general, um, they're they're kind of loose. I think sometimes we can make resolutions for ourselves that seem almost intimidating, or um, you know, there's a lot of guilt that comes with not 
following through. So I, uh, uh, in general, the last couple of years, I've been trying to be kinder to myself, I tend to be very uh, self-critical. But uh, right before New Year's 2019, I had started a new job. And one thing I, I did hold myself to was to be um, to give more energy and focus to creative pursuits outside of work. The job I had had um, uh, was very creative, but it was also a little creative. It was also creatively demanding, so I didn't have time for something like this, or um, you know, for focusing on improv stuff, which I'm very active with. Um, yeah, and, and I stuck to that in 2019. I, I did a lot of creative things. So that's great. Yeah, and um, yeah, the resolution for this year. Uh, uh, it's not really focused on myself. We, my wife and I, are having twin boys. So what, that's what? yeah. Um, so that's going to be the priority. My New Year's resolutions include getting our house ready for two babies. <sighs> and all, those kids are already so selfish. Demanding yep. so much time mm -hmm. of you. Yeah. Ugh, kids. Get a job, kids. Yeah, that's right. Once you're born, get a job. Yeah, there's two of you, so there's no excuse. We can stack you on top of each other and put a trench coat on you, and you can <laughs> pretend you're an adult person. <laughs> I prefer if they were like little baby detectives in a trench coat. Yeah. It's like two. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they talk- crimes. Talk like uh, Baby Herman from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Which one was Baby Herman? Was he the one with the really low voice, right? Baby Herman was the baby. He's the, oh, yeah. And, and, he, and then and when they were done with takes, you'd smoke cigars. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The problem is I got a 40-year-old lust and a three-year-old dinky. <laughs> was his. <laughs> as, he, as he slapped a lady with a racing form in the butt. Uh-huh. He was a real pig, that baby Herman. Yeah. Did you ever read the Roger Rabbit books? I did. I read Who Censored Roger Rabbit. Is it good? It's really weird. Yeah. Because the um, they're not cartoons in the sense that they're film stars. They're comic strip characters. Oh, very different. So what happens is in, in, in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, the movie, the, the tunes are essentially indestructible except for the dip, which the bad guy comes up with. But, you know, he can take an anvil to the head and all that stuff. In the book, they're not invincible, but they can make a temporary copy of themselves so for those panels where an anvil falls on Roger's head, he makes a copy of himself to take the injury. Oh. So the real Roger Rabbit is killed. Uh -huh. And then Eddie Valiant is working with the copy, which I think only has like a, a very finite window of time before he just dissolves. Interesting. Yep. Huh. Speaking of... Someone that could probably wish they could replicate themselves so they wouldn't get killed. Today, The subject of today's episode is Jackie Chan. Yeah, and, wow. Here we go. We got there. And Police Story in general. Police Story 1 and 2. Yes. So why why Police Story? Uh, police Story specifically because Criterion released the, two, the first two in the series on Blu-ray last year. Uh-huh. Uh, but in general, Jackie Chan was one of the first ideas I had thrown out there for topics for the show because, you know, he, you know, certainly uh, by the the end of the 90s, early 2000s, I mean, he was a gigantic international superstar yeah. in the way that um, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head who's quite like that. Sure. Um, one of the most recognizable stars on the planet. Sure. Um, 
And, you know, he had a couple of breakout Hong Kong movies, but, you know, really it was the Rush Hour movies that kind of cemented him in the States as this big superstar. He was already a huge star in Hong Kong and China. Um, So, you know, for me, it was really only knowing his American movies, Mm -hmm. but realizing that there was an entire body of work spanning two decades prior to that and and that he is um, a singular talent in that there's nobody who does or did stunts and and action movies quite like Jackie Chan. So kind of taking this as an opportunity to look back at some of his his Hong Kong films, the stuff that made him a star over there and and sort of set him on the path to become, like you said, one of the most recognizable stars on the planet. Yeah, and Um, you also love this song. The Jackie Chan song? Oh, uh, yes, that's true, uh, which I didn't realize that he also sung the theme song to both That's not what I'm talking about. What? Wait, what are you talking about? She said she too young, no one, no man. So she gonna call her friends, oh, that's a plan. I just saw the sushi from Japan. Now yo bitch wanna kick it, Jackie Chan. Dropped up how we Wait, so, uh, I don't know the song. Who was that? Uh, Prem and Post Malone. P-R-E-M-E. I know Post Malone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think uh, Taito and Dedzeko. D-Z-E-K-O. Yeah. But that song is pretty popular. Yeah. Kick it, Jackie Chan. Yeah, whatever. That's, I didn't know it. You love that song. I do not. And not for any reason. I just hadn't heard that song prior to just now. Really? So, yeah. I don't know why, but I've heard that a lot. Do you hear it a lot at weddings? I don't think so. It's a good dance to that song. Yeah, I think so. We were kind of kicking it in here. Yeah. Kicking it Jackie Chan. Yeah, there you go. Um, so how did you, you know, what are your first memories of Jackie Chan then? Because like, he's been around for, you know, before we were born. I remember what was either Jackie Chan's first strike or Mr. Nice Guy being on cable a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just remember kind of hanging out at a friend's house one summer and whichever, whichever, I think both of these shot scenes in Australia, it's whichever one opened with like a scene where they were in snow and Jackie had like this really silly like polar bear hat on. I think that's first strike. Okay. Yeah. Um, Which is actually police story four. Right. Um, and we would always kind of like just have it on in the background because the TV was always on. We wouldn't pay any attention to it. But then once the fights, the big fight scene started, then we'd be like, "Wow, what's happening?" Yeah. Because um, you know the 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 plots are a little you know fine, whatever. They're just kind of uh, they're just kind of like the the framework to hang these big set pieces on. So yeah, it was the action scenes that would stand out. Uh, and then after that, the Rush Hour movies. I remember seeing the first two of those. Do you like the Rush Hour movies? I did. I, I haven't seen them in a very long time. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's always, you know, the, the the Jackie Chan of it all is what's exciting. Um, sure. And then once you know, oh, he's really doing those stunts. And then you, know, you hear about how he broke every bone in his body and um, the, the the mythology around him and, and that sort of commitment to these daredevil acts on film. Uh, yeah, you know, which again is sort of a recurring motif with the show. I don't know why I didn't get to more of them sooner. Sure. So what about you? I think it was right around when Rumble in the Bronx came out. Oh, sure. There was a big push to get that uh, 
there was a push for for it to have some success um, stateside because this is before the Rush Hour movies, and so he wasn't. He was kind of like a cult figure here. Like there's a lot of people that you know love martial arts movies, kung fu movies, and they're aware of him, uh, but he wasn't like as successful as he was everywhere else. Um, and he's been constantly trying to break through in the states. So there was yeah, a, he was in the Cannonball Run movies. Yeah, which I didn't really know because um, I don't think I've ever seen those. Or if I have, it's I was it was when I was really little. But uh, so I remember the push for Rumble in the Bronx specifically because I think this was post Pulp Fiction and Tarantino was putting his you know his cachet behind Jackie Chan, saying like, "Hey, like I'm a film fan. I'm popular now. Like the things I like, like Jackie Chan." This guy is remarkable. What is wrong with the United States? Oh, yeah. I, I think, uh, do you remember a kung fu movie called Iron Monkey? Vaguely. Yeah, I only saw it because they billed it as Quentin Tarantino Presents Iron. And it was just, it was something he was on his It was on his radar. And he's yeah. like, oh, this is great. There's no reason people won't like this. I'm going to slap my name on it and get it into theaters. So I remember, uh, I, I didn't see it in the theater, but I remember renting it as soon as it came out and being absolutely floored like w- wow Quentin Tarantino's right this guy is ridiculous and there's some pretty elaborate fight sequences in Rumble in the Bronx uh, and there's like a whole chase scene with a hovercraft uh, in the, the back third of the movie which is is pretty wild I actually rewatched it this year and it, it, it holds up it's really it's pretty terrific after that I didn't really watch anything else I don't know if it was really easy to acquire a lot of these older movies back then, or at least I didn't know how to. I didn't really have a circle of of uh, friends or, or people that were influencing me that had access to a lot of his older stuff. Yeah, Blockbuster wasn't carrying them. No, um, but I worked in a recording studio for a while, and they had an extensive VHS and DVD collection of just weird sci-fi cult movies yeah, B movies stuff. yeah and they had um l- the legend of drunken master and i remember watching that and just again being like absolutely stunned with what he did not only with the choreography but with the fighting style which is you know made to look like he's drunk while he's fighting and it's it's otherworldly um to see him move like that and it is very much like a dance performance um and so after that, I had kind of sought out a few other things here and there, and I I did see the I, the first two Rush Hour movies. I don't remember ever really liking them. I don't. I mean, Chris Tucker was like a poor man's Eddie Murphy. Um, so I I, I don't know if I ever those ever clicked for me. Did you do you not like Chris Tucker in anything he's been in? I mean, he's okay in Jackie Brown. Um, what about Friday or the fifth element? Fifth element? No. I don't know if I've ever seen Friday. Oh, Friday's fun. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, there's a reason he's probably disappeared and hasn't really done much. According to, uh, uh, an advertisement in the mall, uh, he's going to be doing stand up at PPAC, I think around the time this episode (laughs) drops. If, if, if he hasn't done it already. Or hopefully he doesn't listen to it and he's just like, that guy. I don't like that guy. Mm-hmm. This guy is not my kind of guy. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, uh, but I've been filling in a few of his older movies here and there for 
on and off for a few years. So I was pretty familiar with him, but I hadn't seen the police story movies. And like you said, we had talked about doing police story like months ago. Oh yeah. Yeah. This was early. This was like in, I think the initial like batch of 10 that we had talked about. Because they had criterion had announced this restoration and this beautiful set with both police story one and two, both directed by Jackie Chan. And that just seemed like, Oh, this is a perfect intro to this for us and an easy access point for us. So I think it came out in like April and I purchased it right away. Uh, and then we put it, kept putting it on the back burner for no reason other than other things just kept coming up. And yeah. so finally we're just like, what should we do next? And it's just like, I think it's, it's time that we, it's time. Uh, before we get too far away from it. Um, so I did get the first one from uh, the library and I opened the case and, uh, it, it came from Acme Video. Oh, super cool. Yeah, so for listeners who aren't from Providence, uh, Acme Video was the last independent video store in the city. And they closed, like, maybe it was less than 10 years ago now. It may have been yeah. six or seven years ago. Uh, and it was great. It was... Um, yeah, it, they'd have stuff separated by director. Mm-hmm. So you can go in and there's like John Cassavetti section or Werner Herzog section. Yep. Uh, Howard Hawk section. Agnes Varda section, which is crazy uh, in in a little town like Providence. You don't really see that too often. Yeah. So, uh, and they had the there's legend that they had the the letter that Blockbuster sent them to buy them out, framed behind the counter. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it just it just really made my my heart happy to open up that DVD case and see the you know the, the Acme sticker photo and in, in the center of it. That's cool. So it's nice to know that the amazing collection of films they had made it to our local libraries, so. Yeah. So Police Story 1, 1985. Uh, and I guess, you know, Jackie had some success with the first Drunken Master movie. Mm-hmm. He was pretty popular in Hong Kong, and he was trying to make it big here, like he he had, we had previously talked about. Uh, and he had done, uh, like, the Cannonball Run movies and a few other movies which were kind of bombs. And he went back uh, kind of with a chip on his shoulder and was just like, you know what? I'm going to show them. And and Police Story is sort of the result of that. And he had a crew that he called the um, the Jackie Chan stunt team. And essentially, this was his whole crew that he, you know, he directed around like 20 movies or so. He starred in like over 150 movies around that. Um, but with this crew, he would essentially, these were people that he trusted because he was doing these absolutely bonkers stunts. And to have the same people in all these movies that he was making uh, meant that he could do life <laughs> death-defying stunts. And, Literally. I mean, he's yeah. almost died on numerous occasions. And trust the people that were in his circle. And they were also all in the movies with him. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of overlap in, between these movies. But because of that, he, this movie, the biggest difference between this and everything prior is he had complete control. So he had directed a few movies before this, but this one he was also producer on. He was the producer. He was the choreographer. Um, he was the star. <laughs> and he sang. He, and, sang, and he sang the theme song. He sang the theme song. So, like, he did everything. And, and his goal was always to be everything, the everyman, in a yeah. sense. He wanted to appeal to, to a broad audience um, from the get-go. Yeah. Well, uh, there's, um, there's an interview he did with Edgar Wright, who directed Shaun of the Dead uh, and Baby Driver, amongst other things. I will share it. It's a podcast called The Talk House. Yep. And, and he talks about that, that 
you know, the way he was sort of brought up and the education system, like, sort of exposed him to everything. So he had dance training and he had acting training and he had musical training. I believe he did, like, choir stuff when he was yeah, a kid. Opera. There's, like, opera performances mm-hmm. of him when he was really, really young. Yeah, so he had all the... And, you know, a lot of the people that he worked with, you know, were brought up similarly. So he had all these tools at his disposal and he used all of them. So... Let's just get right into police story. And really, like, the broad strokes are, you know, Jackie Chan is a cop. That's kind of all you need to know. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of a one-man army. He yeah. um, he tends to, to buck a lot of the trends. He's he's not as, like, gritty and gravelly uh, as, like, the, the loose cannon cop cliche in 80s no. uh, kinda, American action movies. He defies authority, but he's mostly just a goofball. Like, he right. fucks up a lot. Oh, sure. I mean, his defiance of authority is, you know, uh, typically out of like a, a, a sense of right and wrong versus like sure. bloodlust or vendetta. Yeah, these aren't like Dirty Harry or or Rambo or anything Yeah, or like even that. like Lethal Weapon. He's not, cra- yeah. he's not the crazy one. Exactly. Um, it's interesting because it seems like in earlier in his career, he was trying to uh, follow along to Bruce Lee, be like another Bruce Lee. Um and and then uh, he started having success when he branched off and he was doing like almost like this troublemaker kind of role. And that's where Drunken Master kind of comes in, where he's always sort of defying his master and, and bumbling around and, and stumbling into trouble. And the police story is where he kind of shifted into being an everyman. <laughs> At least that's what he posited as, because when you watch the movies, he's more of like a superhero. But I think it's everyman in the sense of like, he's just a good natured kind of trying to do the right thing. Yeah, but even like within the context of the movie, um, you know, he's not the only kung fu ass kicker. I mean, everybody, all the bad guys, all the good guys are all like highly skilled lethal martial artists. So like for him to just be kind of a regular dude in that universe kind of makes sense. Sure, sure. I think too, going into this, uh, what was popular in Hong Kong at the time was a lot of drama and a lot of fantasy um, and, and, and martial arts stuff was starting to kind of, you know, wane in the popularity. And so his idea was like, well, I want to I want to make it a little more realer, meaning not that it's grounded completely in reality, but that you know that he is doing the stunts. And so that kind of connects to how he filmed everything, which is basically it's not really long takes, but there's a lot of, you know, wide shots mm-hmm. uh, and you'd get like of some beats in a few wide, one wide shot and then a cut and then a few more beats and then another cut. Yeah. So I was actually surprised with how often it cut. I mean, and obviously it's not like over caffeinated like a, like a Michael Bay or, or, or like the Bourne movies or anything like that where it's just cut, 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 cut. Um, but it, it did cut a lot more frequently than I was anticipating, but there, it's all so purposeful and he always wants you to see the action and especially he wants you to see like the impact he wants you to see the hits. Yeah. It's never as staccato as most contemporary American movies are cut to sort of to hide the impact, to hide the fact that the performers and the actors are not actual fighters. But everything's moving so fast. So in any, so if there are five cuts to a scene in a Jackie Chan movie, you know, compare that to however many times more in an American movie. But on top of that, within each cut, you're seeing uh, a handful of highly choreographed moves. Um, so if you're seeing, you know, if there are if there are 20 moves in in the a- in the action, you know, you're going to get one through four in one cut and you're going to get 
five, six, seven, eight, nine in the next. And mm-hmm. then it, you, so you're going to you're, you're going to see it all mapped out and you're going to be able to follow the action logically sure. because, like you said, he wants you to know that they're really doing it. They're not trying to hide anything. Yeah. And 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 typically everything is center framed, Sl- either slight left to center or slight, slight right to center. Uh, that way, when it's cutting, there's no jarring cuts. It's not like, oh, your ha- your eyes are having trouble following things, and you see this a lot in like um, with George Miller stuff, especially with with um, Mad Max Fury Road, and there was this whole kind of breakdown of that style uh, online with this video explaining the editing and 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 that sort of middle focus kind of or middle kind of framing. And 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 when you talk about that, it almost sounds like oh well, that's kind of not interesting, but it that doesn't matter because it's really about having that geography and knowing where all the people are. Yeah. Um, have you ever watched any of uh, Tony Joe's Every Frame of Painting yeah. videos? I think he's the one that did the that center focus kind yeah, of Yeah, and he, and he does one specifically about Jackie Chan and talking about the difference between his approach to fight choreography and, and filming and editing fight scenes to the point where, um, you know, if there's a wide shot and uh, Jackie's taking a punch to the face, you'll see the fist connect. And then the cut will back up a few frames. So you're technically seeing the hit twice from both vantage points. But the way it's cut together, you're you're, you're sort of tricked into not noticing that you're seeing the connect two times. On the flip side, a lot of American movies will cut right before the impact and then start the next cut right after. So there's no impact at all. That's a total illusion. Mm-hmm. The illusion Jackie's playing is tricking you into thinking you're only watching it once when you're actually seeing it twice. But it 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 makes it that more powerful. You really like you feel it. Yeah. I, the other thing too is like they're hitting each other. Oh yeah. And, and like he said in interviews, like you know we're we're holding our punches, but we are we are contact. There is contact. It's almost like wrestling in that sense, where you know. People will make fun of it and say like, oh, well, it's all staged. It's all planned. It's true. But yeah. there's still some physicality there. They're still hurting themselves. Yeah. A, a, a well-choreographed ballet doesn't mean they're not dancing. Yeah. And he also, he uses, you know, a lot of kung fu stuff uses wires. Wire foo is, mm-hmm. is a, is a, is a term, popular term. And he uses it to kind of kick someone and pull that person away quicker to give it this sort of heightened, you know, I guess melodrama to the to the fight sequence. Mm-hmm. It's wild. It's yeah. crazy. But he uses it subtly, so it's not like something that you can instinctively like. When you watch something like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, you're like, "Oh, they're clearly on wires." And that, I'm not saying anything bad about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. You know, that's just a different style. Um, but he would always kind of use it in subtle ways. So, like at first, you're just like, "Oh, that's a that was a crazy impact that person going through that that window." And then you realize on the second watch that, oh, they're being pulled on a wire. But the, the movie starts off on this absolutely bonkers set piece. Yeah, and, and, and kind of against what my expectations were because you're sort of coming at the end of like this police operation. So as, they're, as Jackie and all of his fellow officers are sort of um, getting in position for this big sting, they're following this bad guy. Um, and then it devolves into a shootout in this shanty town. Yeah, it's like built into a hill. Yeah, and and you know here we are in the first minutes of this movie, and I was like, I don't want to see Jackie Chan like using a gun. That doesn't seem 
That seems like counterintuitive to what I'm here yeah. for. It's so brief, though. Yeah, and then immediately, like, cars are driving downhill through these shanties. It's uh, insane. He, he takes off in pursuit through the through the village. Shit just starts blowing up, and then the bad guys get on a bus, and Jackie chases it down, mm-hmm. steals an umbrella, hooks onto the side of the bus, and then the Jackie Chan I came for shows up. And, like, from there on in, it just keeps getting better and better. So he... He chases down, hops onto a so bus. It's a double-decker bus, yeah, too. And he's going in and out of windows. There's so much claustrophobic, tight fights in this movie, which even makes it more impressive because he's coming into the bus from the outside, getting kicked back out through a different window, throwing other dudes through windows, climbing around, all like in this tight, tight, confined space. There's no Hollywood magic to to make you think that there's a fight happening on the bus. They had to figure it all out. And the the bus sequence ends on this amazing sight gag. And Jackie essentially gets thrown from the bus and kind of the bus is traveling down kind of like a like a like a winding like, like, yeah, going around it's like a, a hill. winding hill. Uh, so Jackie kind of goes down the hill to get in front of the bus, uh, commandeers a car, parks the car across the road so the bus will have to go like Hopefully, so the bus will stop. They see the guys on the bus are just like, "No, we're going right through him." So Jackie pulls out a gun, points it right at him, starts shooting at the bus, and they start panicking. And then the bus, there's like a a wide shot uh, in profile, and you can see Jackie with the gun pointed at the bus. And then the bus comes and it stops with like like inches of him. And then you see three guys fall out. Yeah, they get thrown through the windshield. Yeah, from the top and so from. The, the top of the double-decker bus and from the bottom. So these three guys just fall out right next to him and land right on the ground. And it's just this beautiful gag because the way they land and everything and in that moment, that split second when the bus comes to a stop right in front of him, it's just, I was just like, oh, you, you really watch it at the, the edge of your seat. Yeah. We're going to be jumping all around as we talk about these. A lot of Jackie Chan movies end with a blooper reel. And there is a great blooper of this scene where, like, the bus is not going to stop in time to not hit him. Yeah. And just him fucking boogieing out of out of his mark because the, op- the other alternative was him getting creamed by a bus, which he might not bounce back from. Um, <laughs> but uh, it seems like he was given not just, like, the free reign to do whatever crazy thing he wanted, but also to have all the time he needed for it. Yeah. Because none of this is easy. The final product is so precise. Everything about and, it. And there's so much collateral damage being done to the environment, to the, the props they're using, to their clothes. Everything has to get reset. So like to be that meticulous, but also to be that patient, and it, it just it just pays off so beautifully. Right there, we've we've destroyed a small village. <laughs> fought in around and against a bus yeah and we've got about uh an hour and 10 minutes left <laughs> so so essentially after this he he catches the bad guys they try to bribe him and he says no and the cops want to use him as an example mm-hmm. as like oh this is like the best of us yeah and it's kind of like part of the point of the movie is like oftentimes the police are more concerned with making sure that the paperwork is correct than yeah. they are with actually doing their jobs. The image they're presenting to the public. Sure. And this is not a deep movie. No, I mean, the, the plot is basically he tracks down and arrests bad guy. He gets assigned to protect the bad guy's girlfriend who is going to 
be yeah. a witness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she bails, and then he has to go rescue her. Yeah. So after, uh, but when he gets assigned to her, there's some great beats, and he 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 goes back with her to her place, and she doesn't trust him, mm-hmm. and um, so he has one of his cop buddies come dress up to to mug her yeah to put a mask on and sneak into her bedroom with a knife yeah and it's funny it's a great reveal because as a viewer you don't know that until after um jackie enters in and catches him Mm -hmm. because at first you think that this is a guy that's actually just trying to 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 kill her Yeah, yeah and you're like well why is he holding his punches so much uh and then jackie shows up and then it becomes like a gag and jackie actually knocks him out but is still kind of like my week weekend or at she and hits him with a with a vase or something right oh and yeah he doesn't he doesn't want to yeah. give up he doesn't want to give up the gag so yeah he's like he's holding with one hand he's like just holding him up by the shirt and kind of like he's kind of like using him like a puppet to make it look like they're still beating the shit out of each yeah. other so much of these action scenes are are just as rooted in slapstick and comedy as they are in being badass yeah oh yeah most of this is like for comedic effect. Mm-hmm. I think that like some of the bigger set pieces like the one at the beginning with the bus and then the one at the very end are are maybe a little more serious in tone because they get really violent. Still slapsticky in, in in broad strokes, but like there's like the whole middle section of the movie is mostly just for you know, comedic stuff. There's even like some kind of like, you know, cuz after this sequence um you know, she starts to trust him and then some actual bad guys show up and there's this great sequence where they're kind of fighting around a car. He actually, it, it's it, the way it starts is amazing because he's driving in the car with her and he turns the corner and he hits a, a carriage with what he thinks is a baby in it and he freaks out and he goes to check the carriage and there's a doll in it and he realizes that these guys are trying to, to attack her. So then he has to kind of rescue her and he's like fighting through the car Mm -hmm. all around the cars in the parking lot yeah Um, like there's one point where he he kicks the back passenger door open to hit a guy gets out and then kicks through the window on his side to kick the guy on the other um and yeah just constantly like diving in and out of seats you know one thing that he didn't like about bruce lee was that you know bruce lee would fight these guys and he'd take them on one at a time. And so what he always wanted to do was kind of, you know, show that there are these multiple attackers that it's going to be real, that they're all going to try to attack him. And you really feel that. Like there's always like this rhythm to the fight sequence. But if someone's hitting him in front, there's also someone coming from behind. Mm-hmm. And he would say that like in choreography, it basically he would know when someone is where that person is in relation to where they need to be, whether their grunts were timed, you know? Uh, so the guy in front of him would have a certain grunt and the guy behind him would have a different grunt and, and he'd know when they're hitting their grunts, when they're hitting their marks. Yeah. And it's all music. I mean, he, he basically turns it all into a, uh, like a human Rube Goldberg machine. Yeah. Um, and the other difference is, you know, Bruce Lee is always this kind of, he has such a presence. Yeah. Uh, and it's always about like, he's the best. He's intimidating and he's the best and you don't mess with Bruce Lee. Whereas Jackie, um, is always about, he's always bumbling and he's always just like, he's not the one that's instigating. He's on the defense. Yeah. Even though he, he wins most of the time, he's, he always starts the fight on the ass end of the ass kicking. Yeah. 
Like, uh, I think it was Edgar Wright that said that Jackie's, like, you know, Bruce Lee's main move is his hand out and he's kind of like... Right, like the Khmer. The Khmer thing. And, and Jackie's main move is, like, blocking punches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you see that a lot, especially in this sequence in particular. Um, but then after this, it gets really sticky and really broad where he goes back and his girlfriend, who's played by the great Maggie Chung, uh, she's a wonderful actress. I don't know if you've ever seen her in anything, but she's, you know... She's really well known, especially for um, the movie Hero uh, and also um, In the Mood for Love, which is this um, amazing Wong Kar Wai movie. Um, So she's done a lot of dramatic stuff. But here she's basically playing like this sort of put upon comedic foil to Jackie. Um, She doesn't get a lot to do, which is a bit of a bummer. She gets she gets one fantastic scene in the second one. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, here she's just kind of. she kind of whines a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, the only saving grace, I think, is that, you know, Jackie is is the butt of the joke. Uh, where, you know, like, they make him more of an ass than, than she is. Mm-hmm. Even though she's complaining to him, they still kind of turn around and say, like, well, Jackie's kind yeah, of... Yeah, she's complaining for a reason. She's not like a like a like like the naggy girlfriend trope or anything. And, and so there's a sequence where Jackie gets hit with, like, three cakes... <laughs> in a row so it's like really broad and really sticky so like depending on you know the type of humor you like it, it you know because I've read some reviews that were just like I don't like that kind of humor like the action sequences in these movies are not in contention there are some of the greatest action sequences ever made and if you watched them and you were like I this isn't very good then we probably yeah I don't have to tell you we don't have much to talk about um, but I can understand if people don't re- really like the broad sticky stuff yeah they're very goofy and i think you know where where police story one bent uh excels over the second one is that it's half an hour shorter yeah uh an hour and a half is great for this it's got uh, a handful of great action set pieces uh and it's got that that other kind of goofy slapsticky jackie chan thing going on in between the second one's half an hour too long the plot Seems unnecessarily complicated. Yeah. There's a lot of like actual police work in the second one. Mm -hmm. And it just feels like, oh, well, the first one was so tight. Yeah. And compact. And this one just feels like there's too much of it. Yeah. It's got a few too many ideas going on. And I saw that there is a a shorter cut. So I'd be interested to watch the shorter cut. It's like an hour 45 as opposed to the two hour one, Mm -hmm. I believe. So I don't know what they kind of cut out. Hopefully it's most of those kind of sequences where they're just following people. Yeah. Now, so we've talked about the cakes. Yeah. What about the telephones? I thought the telephone gag was great. I think it's unfortunate that when he, the stuff that he's talking about in that sequence is not so great. Yeah. So the the idea is that he's on desk duty and he's the only one there and there's like four or five phones and they're all going off at once. So he picks up one at a time and he's talking to May, his girlfriend. Then he gets a call. The calls each proceed to get a little more uh, important and in need of a little more attention but he's getting all tangled up in the wires. It's all just, you know, it's a very like, it feels like a silent movie gag almost. Yeah, and he even said that he borrowed a lot from Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton and uh, Harold Lloyd. In particular, I think he's done some things that are very similar to Safety Last, which is a great Harold Lloyd movie from the the 20s, silent film. Uh, and there's like a famous image of Harold Lloyd hanging from um, a clock. A right? clock, yeah. And so there's, I think Jackie did that in one movie. But you can also kind of see that connection from something like that to Jackie hanging with his umbrella from the second 
store uh, the second level of the double decker bus. Sure. Um, but yeah, so he's taking all these calls, and one of them is a woman saying that she was raped. And, and he's like, raped? When did that happen? I got to get a pen. Yeah, so it's kind of like, it's really broad, sticky kind of stuff. But the visual language of him moving around and choreographing the telephone cords around his body. And he's got a rolly chair. Yeah. And then like the the... The money shot is there's a pencil hanging off the edge of a desk just out of reach. So he just like he kicks it with his toe and it flips up in the air. And he just grabs it and he immediately starts taking down notes. And it's mm-hmm. just one beautiful flowing arc. Yeah, it's it's really great. And I have to imagine it took them like seven weeks to get it right or something. <laughs> yeah. And it comes right in the middle of the movie and it just feels like it doesn't take you out, but it definitely feels like. Like, he wants to try everything. Like, he wants this movie to be everything. He wants those big action set pieces, but he also wants these broad, sticky, mm-hmm. uh, comedic bits. Uh, after this, he catches up with Selena, who is, um, you know, the head the, mobster's... The, yeah, the mobster's girlfriend. Girlfriend. Um, and, and they're trying to catch her, uh, and there's this great moment where she has to jump from a roof <laughs> into a pool. <laughs> And it's like, it's, I don't know, like five stories up maybe? It's like three or four. Yeah. It's pretty high. Um, it's not that high. And and Jackie kind of like, well, if you don't jump now, you're going to get caught. And he kind of gets caught and then he doesn't remember what happens, but they they use his gun to- Kill another cop. Kill another cop. Who, uh, and, you know, this gets needlessly complicated. Yeah. There's a couple of backstabs and there's a, yeah. you know, a mole on the inside yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, so- the cops are kind of all pissed at Jackie and he, they're just basically like, hey, you're responsible for this. And he's just like, you know, no, I'm not. I'm going to prove myself. And he grabs a gun and he takes the chief and, uh, and, and, and escapes in order to try to prove his innocence. Um, and then he lets the chief kind of go and he goes off to find um, Selena. And, and, and to basically resolve she, everything. She, yeah, she was the witness to the bad guys using his gun to kill yes, uh, a corrupt cop. So he has to find her. Yeah, and he wants to bring in the bad guy mainly. So, and, and this all leads to this this climactic fight sequence in a mall. Yeah. And it is arguably one of the greatest things I've ever seen. It is. It's like the scene in Blues Brothers where they drive through the mall without cars. They literally go through every store yeah. and just destroy it with their feet and fists. I think that's a thing is like, it's not just about the fight choreography, but they... They decide where they're going to shoot. They use the environment to add to the story. So it's not just about Jackie punching a guy. It's about Jackie jumping from the third floor down to an escalator as the escalator goes up, hitting the guy, and then sliding down the middle of it. Mm-hmm. It's about him picking a dude up and smashing him through like a glass jewelry yeah. display. They broke so much glass, and they call it uh, it's sugar glass, which is essentially you know that easily... A broken glass. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, Jackie ordered it specially so it was a little thicker. So it's not like most sugar glass that you see in movies. He wanted it thicker because he said it made for big chunks. So when it broke, you could see bigger pieces of glass. But um, I guess on the set, they affectionately called the movie Glass Story <laughs> um, because the ending is just throwing p- person after person through glass. It's insane. Everyone goes through it. Selena goes through glass. All the bad guys go through glass. Jackie goes through so much glass. Yeah. 
and you know not just glass but like when they're in the clothing section he's you know using uh those 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 uh hanging racks yeah so he's like in the middle of them and kind of like getting people caught in them getting caught in them himself anything with an escalator yeah with like sending somebody down the gap in between the up and down escalator mm-hmm. or even like those kind of like tiny gaps between the escalator and the actual floor and then flying all the way down to the ground, several floors. Yeah, and the big climax of it is the bad guy's down at the bottom, uh-huh. and Jackie's all the way on the top, and he jumps onto a pole that has all like strings of lights draped all around it, and he just slides down it like a fireman, and all the bulbs are exploding, there's sparks flying everywhere. He smashes through more glass into like a patio display, uh-huh. And, like, before all the stuff is even, like, finished falling on top of him, he's back up and punching a dude. Yeah. And they show it three times top mm-hmm. to bottom. He's like, motherfuckers, I burn my hands for this. Because apparently the electrician didn't have it rigged properly. Oh, yeah. The, 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 bul- the bulbs were too hot. Yes. So he burned his hands, hurt himself really bad. Motherfucker, I did this for you guys. You're going to watch it three times in a row. Just from slightly different angles. Apparently they had, like something like 15 cameras set up because they knew like they, you're only doing this once. Yeah. And it took him like hours to get up the courage to do this. And in interviews, he said like, he's always scared. He's like, yeah, of course I'm scared. Like I I could die. You yeah, know? he's talked about a few stunts where it's taken him hours, yeah. if not days to psych himself up to do it. And apparently like they had this mall, they were filming there for months. This is one of the final things they were doing. And they were running like the sun was coming up and they're going about to open the actual doors to the mall or something like that. They were going to let people in after they trashed yeah, it. I have no idea, <laughs> but that's what the story was. And they're just like, Jackie, you got to do this. The sun is coming up. We're losing the light. They had to put on like, there's like a glass above everything, like a skylight. And they had to cover the skylight to, you know, use the lights that they actually had. And he's just sitting there on the top floor, just kind of like for hours trying to get up the courage to do it. Uh, and, and finally, you know, he obviously did. It's committed to film. Uh, it's interesting listening to interviews with him because he's like, yeah, I, I, I would never do that again. I did that stunt, you know, and I'll do different stunts. And and it all scared the living shit out of me, but it was worth it mm-hmm. <laughs> just to get it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It seems like he, he never wanted to repeat anything. In that interview with Edgar Wright, he talks about how whenever he would do something, all the imitators would follow him. So the, it was not just not wanting to repeat himself for his own sake. He was so ahead of the curve and, you know, so many people were ch- chasing that that thing that makes his movies so special that he had to keep changing it up because in his wake, there were just suddenly all these other imitators. Yeah. And, and so, and, and then he catches the bad guy. And, but really, it doesn't matter because you just watched him do yeah. these ridiculous things. Well, he, he has a big freak out because... You know, everything he's done is, you know, off the books. Um, the bad guy's probably going to get away because he didn't follow procedure and he fucked up. And he just, he has this freak out and he yells about laws and rules and what's right and wrong. And then he just beats the shit out of the guy anyway. <laughs> and that's how the movie ends. Yeah. <laughs> and then the second one picks up right after that. And there's a great gag with the police chief and he's just like, why didn't you take the stairs? <laughs> <laughs> or like, why didn't you take the escalator <laughs> in regards to him jumping? Oh, yeah. Um, 
and 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 they let the bad guy go because he's gonna die. He's mm-hmm. like sick or yeah. something like that. Yeah. The second one picks up right where it leaves off, and he's demoted. He's just like a a patrol officer. Yeah. Now the second one I watched, I watched the first one subtitled. Uh-huh. I watched the second one dubbed because I felt like, I felt like there was there's a, this was a kind of movie that if you're seeing it, in the '80s on video, you're seeing a really goofy overdub. Uh huh. And I kind of wanted that experience. I also kind of. Not that there's a lot of dialogue during the action scenes, but I really wanted to be seeing everything and not having focus drawn down to subtitles. And, I mean, it's super cheesy. Everybody has the same delivery and enunciation. Yep. Um, Do they change the music? Do you know? Because I know there are... I have watched some movies, um, especially kung fu movies, where music has changed between depending on the dub. Um, I, I, It sounded pretty similar to the first one. Sure. I know certainly like later in the series, so when like Super Cop, not Super Cop was Police Story 3 mm-hmm. and uh, Jackie Chan's first strike was Police Story 4. Yeah. And I think um, New Line put one out. I know Miramax or Dimension yeah. did a couple. And yeah, they would they would cut the, the movies a bit. They would monkey around the soundtrack. But 2 seemed like it had the original music yeah. to it. We didn't really talk too much about the music, but like, um, the the main theme's pretty good. Usually, the action music is pretty dun, pretty. Dun, dun, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Uh, that's pretty great. Uh, I think a lot of times when they're doing the comedic bits, it's a little it pours it on a little too thick. Maybe yeah, it's pretty pretty goofy. Yeah, it's a little too silly. Yeah, but um, I think so. I. I've already said the second movie is a bit too long. Yeah, definitely. I think the story is very dull. Yeah. But I think I think visually I think it's a stronger movie. I think there there's a there's a little more happening with some of the compositions outside of the action scenes. Like you know, his big thing is that uh you know, he stands out. He's he's a bit of an anti-conformist. Uh and there's a scene at the very beginning of the movie where these big Mitsubishi like trucks, not like, not like full rigs, but like the, you know, the truck that hauls the the trailer and they're flying down the street and they're weaving in and out of each other. And he pulls them all over on a motorcycle. The way they all pull over at the same time, they all get out of, they all open their doors at the same time. It's like nine or 10 trucks. It's pretty impressive. And it's very regimented. And it, Mm -hmm. it just, it really like hammers home like, oh yeah, he's an outsider. And this one does have a bit of that like, vengeancey loose cannon kind of streak to it. He's a little more aggressive. Yeah. Yes and no. It also has him with like a fake mustache and it's so ridiculous. No, but like at the beginning it seems like he's he's a yeah. little he's a little angry about how things went down in the first yeah. one. Yeah. Like I said, I think this one kind of leans more into like, oh, like he's a cop and we're yeah. doing cop things. We're undercover. We're tailing guys. But uh it, he gets assigned to um uh like you know, ticket detail. Uh, and then he gets pulled back on the force when he uh, there's like a a bomb called in for it's it's, it's mall right another kind of mall yeah it thing. might be is it the same mall <laughs> it could be the same mall um, and he's the one that kind of advises it and they're like oh we need this guy on the team kind of thing um, so he gets kind of roped back into it and May his girlfriend gets pretty angry with him again being pulled away from their personal life yeah. Um, yeah, because he was uh, he was about to. They got on a plane to go to Bali. And they had their tickets. They were on the plane, and then uh, he gets called up, and it's his old chief. Is trying to get him back in for one more case, 
While this all happens, the plane takes off without him, but May's on it. Mm-hmm. He has May's passport. By the next time you see May, she's somehow managed to get back to Hong Kong. She's furious, and there's this amazing one-take tracking shot where she's just berating him, and it follows them into the police headquarters, into the locker room, so through the showers, and she she like has... She's so singularly focused on getting everything off of her chest. There's all these guys like naked and they're like trying to cover themselves up and she's not paying any attention to it to the point where Jackie goes into a stall, shuts the door on her. She just opens the one next to it. The chief is sitting on the toilet and she just like climbs on top of that toilet to peek over the wall and just keep yelling at him. And it's all one take and it's so good. Yeah. She gets another great moment later on, I think, um, but that's probably one of the best mm-hmm. moments for for her. Um, it's really funny. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. So uh, that's a problem with the second one is just there's so much plot nonsense that gets in the way, and it's, mm-hmm. it feels like it it doesn't understand what made the first one work so well. It, but and it also puts May in danger a lot. Like sh- that's a good portion of the movie is Jackie trying to save her because they're essentially some people that were connected to the bad guys from the first movie are trying to, to get back at Jackie. And so they're going after may, mm-hmm. but there's a great fight sequence in a playground. Yeah. Um, and I think that fight scene is better than anything in the first one. Better than the last scene in the first one. It's so, I mean, maybe fight choreography. Sure. But I just think what the fir- the ending of the first movie accomplishes mm-hmm. is just, it's otherworldly, yeah. yeah. And, and and I love the whole sequence in the bus. I think sure. I think those two top it just a bit. But if for pure fight choreography, like you know punches, trading punches, yeah, that scene is hard to beat. Yeah, I mean we're talking, you know, dudes with swords yeah. fighting around monkey bars and yeah. swing sets. And again, he's using he's using his environment to add to the choreography. So it's not just about punching a guy; it's about Again, swinging on the monkey bars, um, using swings, slides, everything. Mm-hmm. Everything in the in, in is is there for for to be added to the fight sequence. Yeah, it's hard to talk about because there are these little details in these fights. There's a moment in that fight in the playground where he's going down, and he he has like a metal pipe that he got from another guy, and as he's going down, he whips it. And a guy who's running at him from out of frame catches it right in the leg. Yeah. And like, it just, I don't, it's tough to sort of accurately describe it's just, how impressive it is. It's all perfectly timed. It is like watching dance choreography. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy how much watching this, I was like, he's a lot like Gene Kelly. They both get accused of mugging a lot, mm-hmm. um, mugging for the camera. Yeah. They both have that kind of twinkle in their eye, but that really great smile. But, Maybe they lean into it a bit much, but but Gene Kelly did the same thing. He was he considered an athlete um, in addition to being a great dancer, and he uses athleticism to do impressive things with his dance choreography. Um, and he would also use his environment. So there's this great story where Gene Kelly he used to at parties. Uh, throw on some roller skates and do some dancing in roller skates to impress his friends. So he was just like, oh, I need to incorporate that. So there's this whole sequence in this wonderful movie called uh, It's Always Fair Weather where he does a whole dance in roller skates. And it's 
it's insane. And 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 reminded me so much of this where it's all kind of in in wide shots and medium shots, uh, not a ton of cutting, um, and using that entire space and everything at your disposal, everything that you've learned applying to the scene. Yeah, and 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 to the point about the the dancing, he seems to incorporate a, several like twirling moves. Yeah, like earlier in in Police Story Two, there's a fight at the at a bar, and he's like he's up against it, and a guy's coming at him, and he does like a like a really quick like yeah like ballet spin. It's crazy on the bar. He does it a couple times in the uh, the playground. Well, that's the thing too. Like a lot of the stuff we grew up with as far as action movies go in the 80s were these big, the 80s was known for Schwarzenegger and Stallone uh, and movies like Top Gun and it's all like super testosterone filled, big beefy guys that were, you know, anti-establishment, a lot of guns, a lot of sweat. And Jackie, you know, is graceful. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he's, like we've said, he's like, he's goofy. Um, and so it's like the antithesis of of kind of what we grew up with, right? Right. I mean, he is objectively a a smaller guy than like a Schwarzenegger. Yeah, but you could take all those guys. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and it'd be I, I would I, that'd be a fun <laughs> fight to watch. He wasn't in any of those Expendable movies, was he? No, I don't believe so. Uh, okay, I don't think so. No. Um, Police Story Two also has like a kind of like a almost like a Twenty One Jump Street core of like young hot detectives yeah. it's like five like four dudes and and three women yeah and they're just like super cool looking there's this great scene where the three women are interrogating yeah, a yeah. guy and he's on the table and they're basically they're playing with him yeah they're kind of like they're letting him sort of think that they're, they're beating just, the shit out of him <laughs> right but it's before just, they get there yeah. they, they let him think that like oh these are just three little girls mm-hmm. and then one of them like it's so cool she takes she takes a cigarette out of his mouth takes a drag, puts it out, like squeezes the, the 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 cherry with her finger and like his face drops and then the three of them just beat the shit out of him. There's one move where two of them come at him from different angles and they both kick out one of his legs mm-hmm. and it's so impressive to watch because it's just like perfectly timed. Like they both hit him at the exact same time so he goes and he falls underneath the table. Yeah. It's so impressive. Mm-hmm. I want to see a movie with those three cops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were like, it was like this weird cast from a separate movie kind of shows up for that one sure. scene. And then it all builds up to a big climactic fight scene in sure. a fireworks factory. Yeah. <laughs> when are they going to get to the fireworks factory? There's also a, a, a good moment, um, which the first one doesn't have anything quite like this, where May gets kidnapped and Jackie goes to rescue her and also gets kind of captured in the process and she's tied up and he's tied up and the bad guys read this letter that May wrote to Jackie basically saying that, you know, she is going to leave him because he's too dedicated to his police work. And it's actually kind of, it kind of works on a dramatic level and uh, I didn't really expect that from mm-hmm. from from either of these movies, especially because it gets so broad and slapsticky. And then they... End up having a big climactic fight in a fireworks factory. And they have a big, <laughs> yeah. And there's there's literally a scene that's like Donkey Kong, <laughs> where yeah, Jackie's yeah, yeah, yeah. just like climbing up these levels and of the someone's factory, throwing and barrels someone's down throwing, a ramp. Yeah, it's really bonkers. Not only are they throwing barrels at him, and he's climbing up levels of the factory, but they're throwing these little 
almost like firecrackers at them, and they're they're these people are literally catching on fire. Yeah, they're you know those little like snaps that you yeah. throw on the ground. And they make a like a big like clapping sound. Uh huh. Yeah, if you think of if you had uh like a like a sack full of gunpowder like the size of an apple, and they're just whipping these at him. It's insane because it, you could see like they're catching on fire. Mm-hmm. And there's again like an outtake at the end of the movie during the credits that shows points where like it he couldn't put it out fast enough, so they'd have to call cut, and then they bring a guy in with the fire extinguisher and put him out. Mm-hmm. And, um, but oh, and there's there's one other beat we missed earlier on where because the whole movie is centered around like they're trying to catch these guys that are you know blowing shit up. Mm-hmm. Uh, planting bombs in places and there's this one scene where a guy walks in with a briefcase and the briefcase explodes and he's holding it oh yeah yeah yeah. it's it has to be like they cut right as it like you see enough of the explosion to know that the briefcase actually exploded in his hand but then it cuts uh to like an you know um Uh, yeah exterior exterior to show the building exploding um so like i'm sure it didn't I'm sure it was contained, but it still fucking explodes in his hand. It's so like that guy had to have gotten hurt from that. Mm-hmm. Like, I I don't know. Where were standards standards and practices? I don't think there like, were any. I don't think so. I think like there were. I think that's the thing. Like these type of movies cannot be made now. Certainly not now, and then could not have been made in America. Yeah, I think there was certainly there had to be something to do with. Um, the type of in- insurance and regulation over safety. <laughs> um, and, and in interviews, he kind of talks about it without flat out saying the the safety of the performers is a hindrance. He kind of talks around it. Yeah. But they were given the freedom to take the risks they were willing to take with themselves. And who knows? I mean, you know, maybe there were people involved who were not totally comfortable doing some of these things, but... I mean, it seems like the Jackie Chan stunt team was all on board for whatever. Yeah, they did it for multiple movies. It wasn't just like Police Story One and Two. Like, right? They did a a good percentage of its movies th- throughout mm-hmm. the eighties and in the nineties. Back to the fireworks factory. He tosses a guy off of. Um, it doesn't really show how high it is. It's probably a good four floors or so. And he lands in just some barrels. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's the only thing. And it's an overhead shot. So, um, yeah, I mean, you have to assume the least they could have done was put like a crash mat under the barrels, and the barrels were all empty. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they were plastic. Because when he falls, like the barrels just kind of give way. Yeah. And you see him fall through the barrels, so it sort of cushions him. And he's also said that in interviews where, like, oh, if you look, like most of the time, if someone falls, they're gonna fall through something because that's gonna help them to gain some sort of balance or composure or to break the fall just a bit. But like half the time they're falling through windows or other like, or like steel beams Mm -hmm. or other floors or, or just, or particle board. Well, there's, there's one, there's one scene earlier where he's, I can't remember what he's doing, but he's, he's following somebody and he's running on top of a bus. He jumps on top of a bus. He's running and then he's pulling up to like- This a, is a moving bus. Yeah, too. a moving bus. It's coming up next to a store with a big long sign, like the the sort of the, the you know, the, like the long plastic signage that's over the lights. He dives through that, <laughs> keeps running, gets back on the bus, and there's a sign 
coming at him that's crossing the street they're on that's like chest high that he falls back and ducks under. And then there's another one immediately after that that's at the knee. So he has to get back up and go over that. It's like a video game. It's it like is like a video game. you would do in a video game. Right. Having to dodge and jump over things. What happens when he, because he inevitably either got tripped by or ran into one of them. So like, <laughs> like was there was there just someone, there were a couple of grips with a trampoline running behind the bus? I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, because it ends with him jumping through another window. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the bus is going to, like, there's nowhere else for him to go, so he kind of jumps through this window that's to the left of the bus. Um, yeah, and then he gets right back up. Yeah, I mean, the cut makes it look like he got right exactly. back up. But there's so many, like, all of his movies uh, from this period end with the outtakes, and this shows so many sequences of him being carried out in a stretcher or them having to, you know, bring the medical team in. And yeah, and, I mean, two especially is a particularly bloody blooper reel. Yeah. There's a lot of blood. <laughs> uh, and the whole movie ends with like probably one of the biggest explosions um, and, and Jackie running from the explosion. And it's not like one of those like, you know, cool guy walking and, and the explosion is behind him. He doesn't look back. No, he's fucking running from an explosion. And the building, it's just this massive warehouse and the whole thing goes up in flames. Yeah. And he's close to it. And that, I mean, you know, that's what's great about it. Not only are we seeing all the hits that make these fights that much more impressive, but yeah, he's he's not macho about it. You see him wince. You see him, you know, he's crying out in pain. He's running for his life from an exploding factory. Like, yeah, he plays it fairly real. Yeah, and but that's what he said from when you know his big idea for the police story movies was that he wanted people to see that it was real, that they were hitting each other, that they were going through windows, that he was hanging from a bus, that he was jumping down several stories. Um, like, he was just like, if it, if, if it had that reality to it, it's going to separate itself from everything else that came before it. Yeah. Really willing to do whatever it takes yeah. to make the audience sort of you know, to make their jaws drop. And it's so influential in a lot of ways, even though it's hard to replicate because like he had a very specific crew that were willing to do what he needed them to do. And he himself was also willing to put himself through these things. Yeah. And it was almost like someone, you know, not to shortchange what he did because clearly he worked extremely hard and it was a very great storyteller on a visual level. Um, but it was also a right place at the right time kind of thing too, because again, like it doesn't seem like anyone would allow you to make anything like this anymore. Not to this extent. Oh yeah, definitely not. Yeah. Um, but this kind of like destruction and chaos on a mass level, especially driving cars through buildings in the first police story, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Michael Bay has done that, um, several times. Yeah. Um, T2 is a great example of sure. of cars destroying stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even Edgar Wright, you know, like... Oh, yeah. I mean, there's... You know, Edgar Wright talks very fondly of Jackie Chan in that podcast interview. Um, uh, the Criterion Channel has uh, maybe like a 15-minute clip of Edgar mm-hmm. Wright talking about him. And, and I think more than anything else, if you've ever seen um, The World's End, yeah, there are those brawls where there are... Um, you know, fights consisting of anywhere from, you know, three to seven people 
in a confined space and everyone is grabbing everything they can, whether they're in a bathroom and they're, you know, smashing, you know, Android aliens through the the sinks and the urinals or, you know, uh, hitting someone with a parasol on a bar patio. Like whatever you can get your hands on is a weapon in these kinds of movies. And, And that commitment to really showing as much of the the brawl cleanly. Yeah. I mean, granted, none of the cast of World's End are anywhere like the type of, um, you know, uh, uh, combat performers as Jackie Chan or, or his stunt team. But they, they do a pretty damn good job of imitating that that uh, intimacy of, of the fight. Yeah, and it's not just the fight stuff that he borrows, too. It's 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 the fact that Neither Jackie nor Edgar Wright they they shoot they don't shoot coverage, so it's never about setting up multiple cameras and 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 capturing the action and then figuring it out later. They know all their shots beforehand because they know when they're going to cut beforehand, um, and this allows them to m- move quicker when they're filming because they're doing really elaborate things, really complex things. It's crazy to think of how much effort goes into something that's a few seconds. Mm-hmm. Whether it's like some of these stunts um, from the police story movies or even something like that bathroom brawl that's in The World's End by Edgar Wright. Um, you know, that's a, like a one take kind of thing. But the amount of preparation that goes into that to make sure that they did the choreography properly, the choreography of the camera moves properly, um, the practical effects um, the visual effects that they'll replace in, in the computer and then making sure that the actors aren't hurt. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's a lot of prep for just a few seconds. Sure. So it's 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 pretty crazy. Yeah, and, and neither of them are filmmakers who are so precious about either action or comedy to think that the two can't coexist within the same moment. And that's probably, you know, aside from all this mayhem and chaos and fight, uh, fight choreography, maybe that's Jackie's longest, biggest contribution is that he did kind of usher in this sort of um, action comedy kind of thing, which is unfortunately here in the States is not something you see a ton of. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always exciting when it comes up, but oftentimes one or the other guy to get shortchanged. So you see a lot of movies um, where they maybe the action sequences aren't as exciting because the comedy is great or vice versa. Mm-hmm. It's not all hinged on... Um you know, thematically appropriate one-liners like, uh, you know, an Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> chucking a machete across a village and pinning a guy to a tree and saying, stick around. <laughs> Which is, you know, a guy like him can pull it off because he, he has a certain charm and charisma to him. But, sure. um, you know, uh, there's nothing worse than like a a bad 80s action movie one-liner. They're pretty bad. <laughs> Bring him back. Yeah, right. Um, but I, again, like I did, you know, reading a lot of stuff about these movies, there are people that really don't like any of the humor in them. Uh, and, and I guess that's understandable. Uh, it is pretty broad. Um, he, he gets three cakes to the face <laughs> in like a in like a, a couple minutes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it didn't bother me. I can see how, you know, going back to earlier when I was saying that we'd have um, – you know, a Jackie Chan movie would just be on cable in the background and we'd only kind of perk up when the fight started. I can see why, you know, uh, you know, 12, 13 year old me was tuning out the stuff in between the punches because, yeah, it's a little sticky and, um, you know, you're you're 
your dumb young brain is sort of, I'm not going to say dumb young brain because people are allowed not to like things. But, you know, when you're sort of conditioned to think, oh, this is an action movie. It has to be a certain way. How come he's not the tough guy? Like, why is he making these silly faces and falling into cakes again? <laughs> but it didn't bother me here. Or in the second, was it the second one where he, I forgot the situation he was in. Is it the first? I can't remember. Where he he ends up eating some noodles with two pencils. And then he he, he, he eats, eats the eraser. erasers. Yeah, that's. I think that's a funny gag. I do too. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. He's 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 pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think even in you know even in that that the Jackie Chan personality is um, it is very singular. And um, you know, I, I I don't know that there there is a certain something about him that gives him this broad appeal beyond being an action star um he is a bit of a comic he is uh you know a bit of a uh a romantic he really does a lot of things well mm-hmm. there's the one thing he does better than anything else better than anybody else but the other stuff comes pretty naturally to him and it makes it a ton of fun to watch sure if he was just willing to take the fall to, or to jump through a window or fall several stories that's one thing, but he's also a performer, mm-hmm. but he's a visual storyteller. He's the director. He was figuring all this stuff yeah. out. He choreographed everything. He had that crew and he was their leader. So, um, yeah, he's a singular talent um, and I'm pretty excited that um, we finally crossed this off the old checklist. Yeah. Yeah. This is pretty great. This is a lot of fun. Are you going to keep going? Are you going to watch some other ones? I've been watching. A, so, <laughs> in Oddly, in preparation for this episode, I've been watching, and, and we discussed this in the last episode, I've been watching a lot of kung fu movies. Hate but Diagram been, Pole Fighter? Yeah. I'm not going to mention it again. I'm just saying I, I've watched a lot of uh, Jackie Chan movies interspersed throughout the year. Um, but yeah, I do want to keep going. I've never seen Super Cop, which is Police Story 3, mm-hmm. uh, which I hear is better than 2. And uh, Michelle Yeoh is in that, right? Yeah, that's yeah. that's cool. Yeah, supposedly she like rides a motorcycle on top of a train or something like that. Crazy stuff. Yeah. Pro- it's probably whatever got her, because she was uh, she was in one of the Pierce Brosnan Bond movies, and I feel like there was a very oh, yeah. similar stunt in that. So yeah, I have to imagine they're like, oh, she can do that. Let's let's maybe let's do it in James Bond. Yeah, and I want to watch Project A, which is supposed to be pretty good. Another one directed by Jackie. Mm-hmm. The um. The so Operation Condor was the sequel to Armor of the Gods, which sounds like Jackie Chan's take on Indiana Jones. He's sort of okay. like like a globe a globe trotting adventurer treasure sure. treasure seeker. Uh-huh. Um, so there were two of them. Operation Condor was a sequel, but I think that one came out here first, and then they build the first one as a prequel. Uh-huh. Um, uh, yeah, Project. A, that's the one that's kind of like he fights pirates, I think. I think so, yeah. It's like a period piece, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I'm curious now that I've watched like a lot of his older ones to revisit Rush Hour. Um, I have a feeling it it probably won't hold up very well, especially because Brett Ratner is just a, a, a visually... His movies are dull. Yeah. Uh, and so like, granted, like, you know, you can't fuck up a lot of the stunts that Jackie does if you don't cut aggressively. You but just I wa- show the stunt work. But I wonder if they do. I wonder if, 
you know, kind of reading about reading about the Rush Hour movies ahead of recording this, it, it sounds like yes, they knew they had Jackie Chan, so they could do crazy stuff, but it still sounds like they were a little too Western in their approach to cutting it. Like they weren't the lesson that they took away was, oh, we gotta put Jackie Chan in it. The yeah. lesson wasn't we gotta put Jackie Chan in it and let the audience see everything he does. Sure. I think they were still a little too aggressive and chopped it up too much. So you kinda lose some of that fluidity in some of the scenes. Yeah. Like I said, it it's been a while. And I also think probably a lot of the 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 comedy of, you know, these two diff people from two different worlds and a lot of the racial humor probably doesn't hold up. I don't think it held I don't think it worked then. Oh, you mean you're not looking forward to the the scene where they walk into a bar and Jackie Chan takes Chris Tucker's cue and says the N-word? Yeah. 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 I don't think that... Were people, like, into that back then? Uh, I mean, it... I'm sure people... There were people that objected to it. Oh, I'm just, sure. Because it's not that it's not, like, inappropriate. It's just that it's not funny. It doesn't work <laughs> as a gag. It's just like okay, I see what you're doing. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm not as curious to revisit those. Yeah, I never saw the third one. I don't think I have either. I don't know that I'm going to. Sure. I just remember Roman Polanski has a cameo in it, which oh, I think yeah. is probably of of all the things that have aged poorly in that <laughs> series, probably the the one they absolutely shouldn't have done in the first place. Because <laughs> that movie came out in like oh four. No, seven. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Jesus. Woof. Yep, 2007. I mean, as regardless, that's a little late. That's 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 got a that's a good handful of years after the second one came out. I was worried for a second in my search for Rush Hour 3, I saw Rush Hour 4. Oh yeah, I think they, I think that's just It's something they rumors. They, yeah, they I think they bring that up every couple of years. I would imagine that they would move on from Brett Ratner though. I doubt it. Really? It's probably one of those things where it's just, I don't know if, if the three of them had a good relationship or what, uh -huh. but. Yeah. Because he did all three of them. Why would they change it now? Sure. Um, okay. So what about a recommendation? What do you, okay, what do you throw so out there? A few things. You had said that you wanted to see a movie with those three uh, policewomen uh, kicking ass and doing their own thing. Now, those three in particular aren't in a movie that I'm aware of, but there is this movie from 1993 by Johnny Two, who's pretty famous, did this movie called Drug War a few years ago. That's terrific. It's called The Heroic Trio. And it's sort of like a superhero movie with Michelle Yao and Maggie Chung uh, and Anita Mui, uh, M-U-I. And it's this fun kind of like action and adventure superhero movie um, from Hong Kong. Um, so it's nothing quite like it. Uh, they wear these outlandish superhero outfits, um, but you should you should watch it. Yeah, it's, it's fun. Fun. Yeah. Um, I also want to recommend that you know if you love Jackie, I think you should check out um, Wheels on Meals, which is probably one that's not talked about as frequently as you know the Police Story movies and the Drunken Master. Um, and this is directed by uh, Samu Hung. Uh, he they did a bunch of movies together. He's also um, in the movie um, it, he does his own fight choreography as well and this movie um, has Jackie and um, Yun Bao who uh, they, they're best friends and they have um, a food truck 
uh, and they're in Barcelona <laughs> and basically they go on adventures and stuff. Uh, it's really leans into the humor, but there's some really great stuff where they're like parallel working out in the morning and in, in, in their home, their, their food truck is like classic eighties decked out with computers and gadgets and stuff like that. And, and their attire in this movie is absolutely ridiculous 80s apparel but there's this amazing fight sequence with uh, a frequent collaborator of um, Jackie's his name is Benny Erkides he popped up in a bunch of movies but they have this fight sequence at the end that is just the it's awesome it's real brutal like real like because it doesn't it utilizes its location. It's in this like kind of like old stately manner, kind of like a castle European style. But it, it's mostly about them trading blows and beating the shit out of each other. It's and it, it's a great, great choreographed sequence. Nice. What about you? For me, uh, I'm going to recommend a movie that came out in 2004 called Kung Fu Hustle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Directed by Stephen Cho. Oh, terrific. Uh, which I haven't seen since it was in the theaters, but I remember just being enamored by it. I, th- I think I saw it three times. It's great. It's set in this um, this this slum in the 30s, and it has to do with, like, rival gangs, and, like, there's a the landlady who lords over this slum. It just constantly just has a cigarette hanging out of her mouth, and she's got her hair up in curlers, and she's always in her, like, her dressing gown, and she's just, like, she just kicks all kinds of ass. It... it Kind of in the same way that Jackie Chan blends this sort of high-flying, wild action with comedy, this sort of takes that approach and turns kung fu into like a Chuck Jones cartoon. It yeah, is. It's, it's, it's even broader than the it's, Jackie. Yeah, stuff. it's super over the yeah. top, and the slapstick veers straight into cartoon territory. I mean, there's there's crazy CGI that like that landlady. There's a scene where she's running, and she may as well just have like the spinning dust cloud wheels and her hands are just pumping inhumanly fast. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a ton of fun. Yeah. And this is as much a recommendation for myself as for anybody else, because it's, it's been a while and it, it's a movie that definitely left an impression. Have you seen any other Stephen Chow movies? I haven't. So I did like a deep dive a few years back and I watched, I watched that and Shaolin soccer and the mermaid and journey to the West. And they're all, pretty fun Mm -hmm. Um, they get even broader the mermaid is just a weird weird movie Um, and the the humor is just it's really over the top but they're interesting Yeah. Um, but I thought Journey to the West is a lot of fun it's like an action adventure kind of thing and it leans into some um, some mythology um, some Chinese mythology so um, yeah I would recommend watching his other stuff too great cool Thank you for listening to What Did We Miss? If you want to catch up on previous episodes, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at What Did We Miss? And feel free to drop us a line at whatdidwemisspod at gmail.com. Thanks, as always, to the What Cheer Writers Club in downtown Providence. For more information about them, you can look them up on their website, whatcheerclub.org, and find them on Twitter and Instagram at whatcheerclub.org.